Some of you are road warriors this morning. How many of you like a good road trip? You're like, let's hit the road. Let's go hit the road, Jack, and don't look back. Let's go. You're a road trip. You're ready to go. You're ready to get out on the road. You're ready to do it. And you don't just know what snacks you're going to get. You know what rest stop you're going to pull into. Like, like, you're not like, oh, yeah, just pull into whatever's open. You know which one you're going in, to pull into. And maybe it's, a, maybe it's a Shell, maybe it's a Chevron, maybe it's a Flying J. You know something. But I lived in Texas for seven years. And in Texas, the rest stop that you pull into is a Bucky's. Can I get a witness this morning? Come on now. If you have not yet experienced Bucky's, you should. It is a religious experience. It is spiritual. I'm telling you, you go into Bucky's and you don't just fill, fill your car up. Are you ready for this? You fill your soul up. I'm telling you, you walk in here, it's not just a regular gas station. Uh, I, I Googled it. I'm like, how could you describe it? One article said this, Bucky's is a Texas-based or uh, Texas-based and Texas supersized gas and convenience store chain that offers much more than a place to fuel up and grab a bag of chips. Its devoted fans make regular pilgrimages, sometimes driving hundreds of miles to stock up on beaver nuggets and brisket and merch with its buck tooth mascot smiling face. How many of you are glad to be in church this morning and learn about Bucky's? You know what I'm talking about? Y'all are like, man, this is blessed. I'm serious. You walk in and there's the whole convenience side. And then in the very center, they have a brisket station where they make brisket sandwiches. They have an entire counter of beef jerky and not just beef jerky, deer jerky. I like a dried pepper beef stick that you can get from there. And my wife and I, when we lived in Texas, we would drive out of our way to stop at Bucky's to get back on the road and make our road trip. Like I'm telling you, it's a real thing. We were driving one uh, time and we had just gone to Florida. We'd gone to one of our former students' graduation in Pensacola, Florida. They graduated. She uh, is a nurse in Atlanta, Georgia now. And so she graduated. We uh, vacationed there with family and friends. We drove over to Destin for a little bit, spent some time there. And we were driving back to Houston with our friends. We're going to stay for them a little bit and, and then fly back to Vegas. And while we were there, uh, while we were leaving Florida, we were driving and, and you drive through Florida. Let's see how my geography is this morning. You drive through uh, Alabama for a little bit and then you drive through uh, Mississippi and then you get to Louisiana. How many of you have ever driven through Louisiana before? That's an experience all and of its own. Like, like you're driving on the I-10 and there are parts on the I-10 where it's water on this side and water on that side. And, and you feel like the children of Israel going through the Red Sea. You know what I'm talking about? Like you're driving through and you're like, uh, Lord, keep me safe. And you're, you're just going. And so we're driving through. And as we got through Louisiana, there was a um, hurricane in the Gulf that was pushing in a huge storm system across Louisiana, across the I-10. And so we're driving, it starts pouring. I'm, I'm not talking about raining, I'm talking about it starts pouring down so hard you could barely see in front of you. And so the safe thing to do at that time was to exit, was to get off, was to pull into a gas station. And we weren't looking for, this is the brand we want. This is the, at that point, we're just pulling off into whatever that gas station is, whatever's available. And we pulled off in some town in Louisiana and it was half gas station, half Wendy's. Now, I don't mind, how many of you like a good Wendy's, old-fashioned, hot and juicy? You know what I'm talking about? I don't mind, I don't mind a good Wendy's, but I will say every now and then, if there's a combo, like half gas station, half Wendy's, you never know, you know what I mean? But we didn't really have a choice, and so we pull off, and we pull into the gas station, and we park the car, and, and fill it up, and it's pouring, and then we drive up as close as we can to the Wendy's, and we run in, and 
as soon as we rain in, we're already soaked. Like it's a down, it's a drenching rain. It's a downpour. And so we get inside and, and we order it and people started kind of pouring in as, as they exited as well. It wasn't safe on the roads. And so they get in and as they get in, people are ordering and we get our food and we sit down. There's a couple of good old Louisiana boys sitting off to the side and they're just like, how you doing? You know, and, and we get our food and we're about halfway through our meal and the storm is so bad that the power goes out in the gas station and the Wendy's. And so the gas station employees go and they turn all the pumps off and they shut the gas station down and lock the door and they leave. <laughs> They're like, deuces. I guess that's what you do in Louisiana when a storm moves through. I don't know. It's a hurricane. So they lock it all up. So we're inside the Wendy's and the manager comes out and she goes, all right, power's out. I need everybody to leave. And we're like, to where? To whom shall we go? You know, we're like, where, where are we supposed to go here? And so she, she kind of looks across the, the crowd and realizes maybe that's not the safest move. So she says, okay, okay, I need everybody to stay here. <laughs> and we're like, okay, we can do that. And so she locks the Wendy's door. No big deal. We got food. Everybody's kind of hanging out. Power's out, but it's light enough to where you can kind of see. And so we're just kind of eating. And Gatlin at the time is two and a half. He's not quite three. He turned three later that year, so maybe two and eight months. And he is in the middle of potty training, which means he's not wearing diapers. He's potty training. And he looks up at me and my parents in the room, you'll feel me. You understand this. He looks at me. He's like, daddy, I have to go poo poo. <laughs> And I was like, okay. The problem was the gas station had locked from the inside access to their bathrooms and the Wendy's didn't have any. So we're in, yeah. So we're in the Wendy's, it's locked. And so my wife looks at me and is like, he's got his like baby Bjorn potty in the car. You need to go get it. And I'm like, okay. So I go back out there, get drenched again, come back in with his, with his potty. I sit it in the middle of the Wendy's and my dude is like, let's go. Like, we got no option. We kind of try and hide him behind a booth. I mean, it is what it is. It's, he's two and a half. He doesn't care. And so he's just chilling. I look up at the old boys and they're just like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's Louisiana. I don't know. You know, they just give me a thumbs up. And I'm like, okay, it, we're, we're cool. Finally, the storm kind of clears. We get back up on the road. We start driving again. As we're driving, we look at several of the other rest stops and exits. And they're like underwater. There are cars like flooded out. We turned an eight hour trip into a 14 hour trip on that day just due to how slow we had to drive and all that stuff. We finally, I-10, we finally make it through Louisiana. We get into Texas and the way it's laid out, we're heading west on I-10. We get in Texas and there's this little oil town right there called Baytown. There's a lot of refineries and all those different things. And not only is there a refinery, not only is it Baytown, but they have, by the grace of God, a Bucky's. And so we finally exit, and as we exit, you could feel a sigh of relief. We pull into this Bucky's, and this is us outside the Bucky's as we pull in. The, there we go. We pull in. The wind is blowing so hard. Look at Gatlin's hair. Like it's, it's just, he's, ha he's living his best life, man. Like, like forget that Wendy's back there. <laughs> he's living his best life. And I figured out, I was looking at this picture, and I was like, what is what is like subconsciously so humorous about this picture? It's the fact that he looks like Bucky's in this picture. There's the beaver and there's my beaver son. You know what I mean? Like, like he's just chilling and he's got the same look on his face as Bucky's does. And so we had a good time. And as we did, as we engaged in that, we pulled in, we rested, we took our time at Bucky's. 
And you say, okay, well, what's the truth here? here? Here's what I think. As we talk about a weekly rhythm, here, here's what I think. I think a lot of us go through life like we were journeying through I-10. There's a storm raging on the outside and we're just trying to make it through. And God, Jesus, invites us not just to push through the storm, but to exit the storm and spend time in his presence on a weekly basis. And in doing so, we find that we fill up on the goodness and the grace of Jesus. Forgive me if this is too simple, forgive me if this is too basic, but I truly believe that Jesus speaks calmly into our storms, whether on the outside or on the inside, and he says, this is the passage we're gonna study this morning, Matthew 11, he says this, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. You know what Jesus is saying here? He's saying you don't have to run through your life in fear. He's saying you don't have to continue on the highway of anxiety and stress and issues and problems. You don't have to go through shame and self-loathing. You can exit the highway and pull up to the rest stop that is Jesus. Forgive me if it's too trite this morning, but real simply, here's what I would say. What Bucky's or a rest stop is for an American road trip, are you ready? Sabbath is for your eternal soul. What God wants for you is to exit in a regular rhythm, on a regular basis, the rat race, the craziness of your life and my life, of this world, exit and spend time in his presence. Now, I have a question for you as we look at this scripture. I wanna dive deep into it and we're gonna give you four stops to make, four translations of the Hebrew word Sabbath, which is Shabbat this morning. We're gonna lean into that and we're gonna give you truths to just kind of pull up and fill up at, okay? And when we do that, my goal this morning is not to give you a bunch of to-dos. It's to invite you into a rhythm that you need to make your own, that you need to develop for yourself and for your family and say, this is what works for us. Let me look at this as we look at this passage. Let's dive into it. You read for me, I'm gonna to read to you. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will, what's the next word? Give. give. Keyword, action verb, I will give you rest. Second part, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Now, wait a minute. Which one is it? Is it that we show up to Jesus and he gives us rest and he lavishes upon us his goodness and his grace and his rest and he just gives it freely to us when we spend time with Jesus? Or is it that when I show up to spend time with Jesus and I begin to learn the rhythm of rest, that he actually gives me rest in the rhythm that I'm willing to submit myself to. Which one is it? Are you ready for a supernatural secret this morning? It's both. God, who is full of riches and mercy and goodness and grace, would love for you to show up in his presence today and say, God, I need rest, and he will give it to you. 
Do you remember when you were first saved, when you were first learning about Jesus? Some of you that's happened this past year and you're like, this is amazing. Who needs an energy drink? I got Jesus. Like, this is awesome. This is incredible. And you pull up and Jesus is just giving you, lavishing on you rest. And then some of us have been following Jesus for a little while and, and, and we're a little bit tired. We have good intentions, but we have shown up and Jesus has offered us rest, but it's inside the rhythm and we're like, ah, I don't know if I have time for that. I was thinking, I didn't even share this with the, first, with the 830 service, so y'all about to be blessed by this. Do you know what the most successful fast food restaurant chain is in the United States of America? Chick-fil-A. Chick if Chick-fil-A can do more in six days than the rest of the restaurant industry can do in seven days, I'll I'll wager a bet this morning and say God can do more in your six days, can help you accomplish more in your six days if you're willing to say, I will commit to this rhythm this morning. Are you willing to try the Chick-fil-A way? Are you willing to at least study it this morning and say, I think there's something here because Jesus says, hey, come to me and I'll give you rest. And then you step into his presence and he says, all right, now let me teach you what it looks like to rest. Four translations, four words, four truths this morning as we lean into this Shabbat, this rhythm of rest. And let me give you some disclaimers before we dive in. Are you ready? First, as we dive into this, I need you to understand there is a much deeper study available to you through this. Um, I went through this myself a few years back, but one of the ones that really opened my eyes, it's a book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. He's a pastor. Now, again, if you're in this room, you may not need to add another book to your reading list, okay? What you may need to do is just start learning the rhythms of rest, and then you'll find I have time to learn this, to dive into something like this. You may not need another book. For those of you who do, you can scan the QR code, purchase it on Amazon, or go to our link tree. It's available there as well. I just try, I'm just trying to make this resource available to you. He goes through a lot more than just the principle of Sabbath. He talks about how our culture is set up, is designed to not give you rest. Our culture is designed right now to monetize everything you do by making you want more, do more, be more. They're trying to monetize that. But watch this. As believers of Jesus, aren't we called to be countercultural? Aren't we called to not just go in the flow of what everyone else is doing, but earnestly seek out the rhythms of grace found in God's word? Maybe one of those rhythms is this beautiful invitation that Jesus offers into rest for our souls. So disclaimers, number one, you can't succeed or fail at this practice. Amen? All you need to do is show up. All you need to do is try. All you need to do is lean into it and say, all right, Lord, I'm here. Can you, can you teach me? Can you train me? Resist the urge to say I'm bad at this or this isn't for me or I don't like this. Be patient with the practice and with yourself. Secondly, of all the practices, we talked about this, so I'll just state it. Of all the practices found for believers in scripture, Sabbath right now, 2024, is probably one of the most countercultural practices that Jesus calls us into. Then thirdly, this will look different for you than it will look for someone else. So as you begin to practice the rhythms of Sabbath, you'll see that in our first stop, our first translation of the word Shabbat, you'll see that, that this rhythm will look different for you than it will for someone else. 
Don't, don't take the exit of, oh, look how they're Sabbathing. <laughs> Must be nice for them. Just lean into yourself and say, this is what works for me. Don't look at me and say, oh man, they do that. Now I have to learn this. No, lean into your own rhythms and say, this is, this is how I'm gonna submit. This is how I'm gonna learn. This is how I'm gonna accept the invitation of Jesus. By the way, Mark 2, 27, Jesus gives this famous line. He's walking with his disciples through the cornfields and the Pharisees show up and they're like, ah, 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 they're not supposed to pick the ears of corn on the Sabbath. And Jesus says this famous line, man was not made for the Sabbath, Sabbath was made for man. Do you know what Jesus is saying in that truth, in that passage? I like how the NLT translates it. It says this, then Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. If you can get that truth about this rhythm, if you can get that truth about this principle from scripture that I'm not trying to fulfill a to-do list, I'm just trying to lean into a rhythm that God's inviting me to and I'll probably make some mistakes along the way, you are already set up for success, okay? So here's our sermon statement. We'll make four stops and we'll be done. I'll let you out early so that you can rest, number one. I like to practice what I preach. Number two, so that you love me. Okay, I'll let you out early. All right, here we go. A Sabbath is an invitation to pause each week and fill up your soul by entering into the rest that God intends for you to have spiritually and physically. God wants you to have that, okay? So here's the first stop we have to make. The first translation of the word Shabbat is number one, stop. Stop. In a world that screams forward, in a world that tries to get you to do more and be more and go more and is leaning at a breakneck speed into information, into technology, into all these things, we could say it this way. If you're going to pull up to the Jesus rest stop, you need to exit the freeway of busyness. If you're going to find time to spend with Jesus, you need to first carve out and say, okay, this is where I'm gonna spend it. Psalm 4610 says it this way, be still and know that I am God. I'll be exalted among the nations, I'll be exalted in the earth. How many of you, those first two words, be still, is an issue for you? <laughs> How many of you can be vulnerable? I'll be vulnerable, I'll be honest. If I spend too long in meetings as pastors, as leaders of our church, we'll, we'll spend time together in meetings. My whole team knows if I spend too long in meetings, I get antsy. I start messing with people, you know what I mean? Like I'm like, hey, hey, you know, uh, I, like I'm, I'm ready to go. Like, like it is work, it is a rhythm that I have to learn for me to enter into rest. And that might be you here this morning as well, but that, that Hebrew word be still, it means like a rope that is tight, that is taut. It means to give that rope slack. Real simply, God's saying, cut yourself some slack this morning and just spend time in my presence. Do you, do you realize that you are a human being, not a human doing? We identify ourselves by what we do, and God says, no, 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 I made you just to be in my presence. What we do should flow out of who we are in Christ. Isaiah 40, 31 says this way, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. That Hebrew word wait, it's like a three-legged race. It means to bind yourself to the other person and wait for them to go. 
Some of us need to get so in sync with God that we're stepping into this three-legged race. By the way, that's when Jesus said, uh, um, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We like the life part. Yes, Jesus, give me life. We don't mind the truth part. We're like, yeah, teach me your truth. But the way, you're like, ah, I think I have a rhythm for my life already. I think I have a way that, that I've kind of learned. Jesus is like, no, no, no. Bind yourself up with me and wait. Stop. Spend time in your presence. Real quickly, we'll go super speed. The Sabbath was originally given to man in Genesis 2. God creates the world, and then God does what on the seventh day? Rests from all his work, and God says it's good. God actually gives three blessings. Awesome truth. Dive into it in the book, um, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. But God gives three blessings. He blesses the animal kingdom and says, be fruitful and multiply. Then he blesses mankind, and he says, be fruitful and multiply. And then he blesses the Sabbath day, and the connotation in the Hebrew uh, uh, Torah is that now he's blessing the Sabbath so that it will be fruitful and multiply rest in your and my life. It's a beautiful truth that we often missed because we run right past it. First time it appears is Genesis 2 in creation. The next time the principle of the Sabbath appears, you know where it is? God, God is handwriting some suggestions, <laughs> commands, on these tablets. And number five is remember the Sabbath day. It's one of the Ten Commandments. What happened to God's people from creation all the way until the Ten Commandments? They were just slaves in Egypt. And so God says, you know how you were just slaves? You know how you were just servants? You know how you were just stuck in these rhythms? You are freed from that. You are no longer slaves. I am freeing you, and I want you to spend time on the seventh day. Remember, keep it holy. Spend time worshiping me because you are no longer slaves. Southern Hills Church, this morning I have a message for you. You are no longer slaves to sin. You are no longer slaves to your family of origin. You have been freed from that. Jesus has made you whole and approved, and you are free to rest in him. What a beautiful truth to step into and just stop and say, you're God, I'm not. You're good, I'm not. I'm gonna rest in that truth today. I like what Rich Velotis says about Sabbath. He says five, his five favorite things about Sabbath is Sabbath is not a reward for hard work. Sabbath is a reminder that our work will remain incomplete. How many of you, when you pause, your brain just starts thinking of all the things you have to do? <laughs> You're like, why couldn't I think of these things earlier? <laughs> and you're like trying to write them down. Sabbath is a day that moves us from production to presence. Think Martha to Mary. Sabbath reminds us that we are not God. And Sabbath points to us the deeper rest that we need found in Christ. The first point is this. We need to stop. Here's the, here's the practice. Every point will have a practice. Are you ready for it? There are three ways you can practice stopping in your life. Are you ready? You can have the traditional Sabbath. That's a Saturday, Friday evening into Saturday evening, and you can say, I'm not gonna do anything on this day. If you work a regular week, Monday to Friday, this is a beautiful rhythm for you to adopt today and say, I'm gonna try this, this Friday into Saturday. We're not gonna do everything on Saturday. And we're not gonna do anything on Saturday. If you don't, if your work changes a little bit, or if you have a lot of family home responsibilities, adopt the second one, the Lord's Day Sabbath. Listen to me, this would be a beautiful rhythm for a lot of people in this room to say, all right, here's what I'm gonna start doing. I'm gonna start adopting the Sabbath on Sunday. I'm gonna start out my day in God's presence, and then I'm gonna go to church and worship every single Sunday. That, that's why we encourage that. It's not so that you can show up and we can say, okay, we're so glad you're here, you checked a box. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with building the rhythm in your life of corporate worship, learning the word of God, understanding. By the way, a lot of businesses, a lot of places are closed. Sundays typically are the least busy time in cities when there's less traffic, it's a good day to just say, hey, we're stopping too. 
I'm not adding things to the calendar. I'm taking a break. Or there's the midweek Sabbath. There's any day during the week. In college, um, I worked an overnight security job uh, on a DOD contract for Boeing in Lancaster, California. So my work would start 10 p.m. and go to 6 a.m. I'd get off at 6 a.m. and I'd drink a gallon of coffee and then go to class for my master's degree and go there till noon and then at noon I'd get off from that and I'd skip lunch and I'd go sleep for three hours and at 3 p.m. I would get up and I would go to my second job at Dillard's selling women's shoes. That's another story. And then I would, I would work from uh, uh, 4 p.m., get up at 3 p.m., work from 4 p.m. until 9 p.m. that night, five-hour shift, part-time, get off at 9 p.m. and then go back to my uh, uh, security job for um, Boeing with a DOD contract and my, my day would start all over. And I remember during that time being like, Ugh. There's, there's a lot. You might be in here. You might be working two or three jobs. I get it. Here's what I remember finding during that time. I remember finding windows. This is what the midweek Sabbath is. Windows where I could rest. I drove a friend down to LAX one time to the airport, and then I drove right to the Santa Monica beach. I parked my car, and I said, I'm going to go take a nap on the beach. I had a professor in college that always used to say, sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is take a nap. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Some of y'all need that truth today. And I'm like, I'm going to go take a nap. I didn't think about the fact that I would be laying on the beach in the sun. And so I woke up three hours later, very well rested and very well burnt. And uh, it was a great nap. Maybe you need to adopt the midweek Sabbath and say, hey, this, Tuesday's my day, Thursday's my day. Whatever your schedule looks like, maybe that changes from week to week. Dive in by stopping. Once you have a day and time carved out, you can begin to experience the second translation of Sabbath, number two, which is rest. Carrie Newhoff says this about rest. When every season is a busy season, it's not a season, it's your life. <laughs> I think that's so true. It's so easy for me to be like, hey, man, how are you doing? Oh, I'm good. How are you doing? Man, I'm good. You know, I've been busy. Busyness has become a modern day idol in most of our lives. And we need to step away from it and say, God, I'm willing to stop. And now I'm willing to enter into your rest. What type of rest do we need? We need physical rest. Psalm 127, one through two says this, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he gives his beloved sleep. Sleep is a gift from God. Lean into it. Some of us need to do a better job stopping and then saying, all right, God, I'm gonna take a nap. I'm gonna rest. I'm not God. I can't change this. I can't fix this. I'm gonna physically rest right now. But we don't just rest physically, then we rest mentally and emotionally. We calm down, relax, process the week. Isaiah 26, three, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for in Yah, the Lord is everlasting strength. I'm gonna give you a practice here in a minute to rest mentally and emotionally, all right? And then lastly, spiritually, we cease our striving and we rest in God's love for us through abiding. Ephesians 2, eight, for by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves is a gift of God, not of works as any man should boast, for we are his workmanship. Essentially, you're saying, I'm gonna pull the car into the shop and say, hey, God, what do I need to work on? What, what do I need to lean into you with? What do I need to rest? You need to lead me, and I'm willing to rest in you. So ask. Here's the practice. Ready? Ask. If you have the, the notes, ask, what is restful for me? Now, what's restful for you may be different than what's restful for me. I do a lot of meetings. I do a lot of face-to-face. I I meet a lot of people throughout the week. I do a lot of study. So what's restful for me may be different than what's restful for you. Um, I like going home. I don't mind doing little projects on my Sabbath. I don't mind 
uh, uh, doing something for my wife, hanging a, a photo or, or um, redoing a room, doing a little project. Um, I also believe in having a good marriage. So um, doing those things for my wife is, is really restful for our marriage. Um, <clears throat> I think it's really, really good. What's restful for me may be restful for you. If you work with your hands all week long, maybe you need to rest by picking up a book and saying, I'm not gonna pick up a hammer, I'm gonna pick up a book. I'm gonna rest in God, I'm gonna pick up the word, I'm gonna spend some time. So how will I rest uh, physically? What is restful for me, asking that question. How will I rest physically, sleeping, napping? I don't set an alarm on um, Saturday mornings. I have kids, um, they are my alarm, okay, at 7 a.m. Um, but I sleep in a little bit. And then how will I rest mentally and emotionally? Can I just be real with you for, for a minute, as if I haven't been real with you the rest of the time? You know how I know that I'm resting? When I don't know where this is. I know I'm resting mentally and emotionally when I think about halfway through the day, hey, where's my phone at? And not like in a, where's my phone at? But in like a, man, I haven't even been on my phone. Hey, you missed a FaceTime call from family members? That's okay, you can call them back. Put it away for a little while and feel your soul rest in Jesus. There's several ways you can do that. I like what Ian Simpkins says. He says, scripture before screens, meditation before media, prayer before posts. Maybe for us, our young adult group in here, maybe before we be real with my friends, we need to just get real with God. Maybe we need to spend time in God's presence before we spend time on our phone. Maybe before we develop more snaps on laps, we need to develop our character more in God's word. Maybe we just need to go deeper with God for a little bit and, and take a step away from this and say, I need to spend time with God first. There, there's a lot of ways you can do that. Make a plan, put your phone in timeout, get a basket, a timeout basket for your phone and say, you're a bad phone and put it in that basket. <laughs> I, I'm serious, I, I work with, Teenagers, you gotta get really practical. What work with young, young adults? I tell them, man, put it, put it in the basket. Forget it for a little while. Turn it off. Uh, you could set reminders on, on your email. Uh, you could set a, I'm out. <laughs> you wanna really freak your coworkers out? Set a reminder on your email that when they email you, it says, I'm sorry, today is my Sabbath. I'm resting in God. I'll get back with you. They'll be like, dude, don't bother him on Saturdays. <laughs> don't bother him on Sundays, bro. You're gonna get a sermon. I don't know what it looks like for you. Again, I know, <laughs> some of y'all are like, yeah, you know. Um, I know it looks different for everyone, but make a plan for what it looks like for you to rest mentally and emotionally. Put your device away. And then, how will I rest spiritually? One of the practices that our, our pastoral team has is every week we meet and we go through the sermon together, and here's why. We wanna step back and ask this question. Jesus told the Pharisees that they were laying heavy burdens on men's backs that no man could bear. We regularly ask the question as pastors, how are we inviting the church body into the freedom and the acceptance that is in Jesus and not just giving you a to-do list? The gospel is not moral reform. The gospel is transformation that happens from your soul upward and outward. And when you spend time in Jesus, I always visualize it, I picture it, that I'm stepping into the throne room of God and immediately I feel small. And then I remember the scripture where God says to come to him boldly to the throne of grace. And so I start spending time in God's presence and I imagine myself walking up to a throne and putting my hand on it and I don't deserve to be there, but I cry out, Abba, Father. And the Father looks to me and says, you are loved and you are approved. Well done, I love you, son. Spend time in my presence. And I'm telling you, when I rest in that truth, 
I don't need to show up on Sunday and, and now be told, okay, God's not mad at you, God's good with you. Not that that's a bad thing. But as believers in Jesus, can I ask you something? When's the last time you just rested spiritually in him? Your salvation that you didn't work for, you also can't keep. A covenant with God is that you commit it to God and now God keeps that covenant. You have committed your soul to him and God will keep it. Rest in Jesus. I like what Corey Ten Boom says because maybe you're like me and you tend to think about all the sins, all the things you've done wrong, all the times you failed God, all the times that you've stepped out of line and you start thinking about them, all the sins you've engaged in last week and maybe yesterday and maybe this morning and you start thinking about those. Corey Ten Boom said this. She said, God buried my sin in the deepest part of the sea, and then he put up a sign that said, no fishing here. When your spirit or the enemy comes to you and starts reminding you of what you used to be, you can say, that's not who I am anymore. I am approved in Jesus. Jesus has paid for my sin, and I am safe, and I am loved, and I am fulfilled in the presence of the Father. What a truth to just start to wrestle with in you, and as you bathe in that rest that God's inviting you into, that he's freely giving to you, you'll find that your rest turns into, number three, delight. When you stop and rest, you'll find delight starts to grow in your life and in your heart. John Mark Comer says this, we pamper our souls with activities that spark joy, wonder, gratitude, happiness, such as eating good food, walking in nature, spending time with family and friends, listening to music, playing games, making love to our spouse, or just having fun before God. Psalm 24.1 says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all its people belong to him. There's this story in Nehemiah in the Old Testament where the people hadn't read the Torah recently and because they hadn't read it, they didn't really have a relationship with God and they find it and they read the Bible out loud and watch what happens. Nehemiah continued, go and celebrate. The people start to get discouraged and they're like, oh man, God, we don't know who this God is. And Nehemiah tells them, go and celebrate with a feast of rich foods and sweet drinks and share gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared. This is a sacred day before our Lord. Don't be dejected and sad for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And the Levites too quieted the people, telling them, hush, don't weep, for this is a sacred day. So the people went away to eat and drink at a festive meal, to share gifts of food and to celebrate with great joy because they had heard God's words and understood them. The more you spend time with God, the more you enter into delight and realize God has given me everything richly to enjoy. Do you know what um, uh, the old King James, you know what the translation says in, in this passage when it says, um, go and celebrate with a feast of rich foods and sweet drinks? It says, Eat the fat, drink the sweet. <laughs> you, wanna, you want a um, slogan for your Sabbath? Be like, all right, God, I am resting. I'm stopping, I'm resting in you, and I'm gonna eat the fat and drink the sweet. Let's go. Lean into the delight that God is giving you. You know the one, one of the ways that my family does it? I don't cook for the most part throughout the week. My, my wife does, and so on Saturday, I don't mind coming home and cooking. It's my Sabbath and I enjoy relaxing and so I get up and before anyone's up, I start preparing this wonderful meal. Do you know what I make? Cereal. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I start preparing. I enjoy cooking. I used to help my mom when I was a kid and so I have the uh, Magnolia cookbook from Joanna Gaines from Waco, Texas and I open it and I make biscuits and gravy from that on Saturday morning. You wanna talk about a spiritual experience? Oh. I'm telling you, Gatlin will come downstairs and he'll be like, 
I smell biscuits and they smell good. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's entering into delight. Can, can I help you something? Maybe you pick Sunday as your day to rest and delight in God. And so you wake up and you spend time worshiping God and then you come to church and you worship God and then you go home and you're like, okay, what am I supposed to do with the rest of the day? Maybe you enjoy football. Turn football on and watch football. You're like, Pastor Caleb, I've been coming to church for years and I've always heard the pastor say, some of y'all watching football instead of coming to Jesus. We're saying the opposite. Lean into delight, but come to church first, amen? amen? God has made all things richly for you to enjoy. Ask yourself, what has God wired me that's within the boundaries of his word that he wants me to have that I can enjoy? <laughs> I said this to the 830 service. Some of y'all need to watch football because it's a spiritual experience because your prayer life needs to grow for your team, okay? Because they struggled. They struggled this year, right? I don't know where you're at. But do something you enjoy. Maybe you enjoy nature. Get out in God's nature. Maybe you enjoy reading. Maybe you enjoy long walks. Whatever you enjoy, lean into it. Worship with your community. Walk, nap, read, spend time alone with God. Lean into the practice. Okay, now, here's the point. Delight, here's the practice. If you're gonna delight, you have to plan your delight with a preparation day, okay? So, before you get to Saturday, make a list. Where are my list makers? You don't have to raise your hand, but you know who you are. You're like, yes. The pastor said we have to make a list. We're going home making a list. Make a list of what you have to do before you get to your Sabbath. Because otherwise it'll fill up with everything else. So if Sunday is your Sabbath, make your errand day on Saturday. Some of you are like, have you seen the lines at Costco on Saturday? Okay, go to Costco Tuesday night. I don't know. Make a list of when you're gonna do those things. Make a plan for it so that when you enter into your Sabbath, you can practice the light. We took our young adult group um, for our Christmas party. We sold them tickets, and we took our young adult group, and we all went to Texas Day Brazil, a Brazilian steakhouse. You ever been there? Whew. Now listen, you can't just show up at Texas Day Brazil after just eating at Taco Bell. You have to plan your delight at Texas Day Brazil. The day of our Christmas party, I'm like going through, and I'm like, I'm going to eat light for breakfast. And then we got to midday and it was lunchtime and I was like, I, I think I'm busy. I think I'm busy for lunch. I'm gonna get some work done. And I skipped a couple meals throughout the day. Why? Because when you walk into Texas Day Brazil, they have a little card and it's green on one side and red on the other. I believe in green, amen. And so I flip it over and I'm like, keep bringing it. Lord, keep bringing the blessings, you know. In the same way, plan your Sabbath. Say, I want to enter into delight. I'm not gonna fill up on everything else throughout the week. I, I'm gonna enjoy spending time in God's presence. And when we've stopped, rested, and we find ourselves delighting in all that is God's, we are ushered into the last translation of the word Shabbat, and it's this, worship. Worship is not a rhythm that ushers us into the presence of God, although it's part of it. Worship is what we do when we are already in the presence of God. And so when we show up on Sundays, as a church, some of you are learning these rhythms and you need to make Sunday your rhythm and make the Sunday morning experience a part of how you worship God. But some of us who've been following Jesus for a little while, Sunday needs to be the overflow of what God already did on Saturday. What I mean by that is I've spent time with God and so when I show up, I can now, Galatians 6, 1, I can bear up one another's burdens. I can pour out, I can minister, I can serve because I've spent time with Jesus. Psalm 150 says this, praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in his mighty firmament, praise him for his mighty acts, praise him according to his excellent greatness. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord, praise the Lord. 
The best way I could summarize it is to say this, as we clear out our hearts from worries and everything that we carry throughout the week, what we find is now we have the margin to worship. There's a lot of different ways that you could practice that, but essentially what you're asking is, how can I cultivate intimacy with God? How can I practice, how can I cultivate a heart of worship? How can I make sure that my heart is set to worship? A year ago, January 9th, 2023, my mom was diagnosed with cancer. Many of you have walked this journey with us. As a matter of fact, I was sitting in the ER room a year ago during this week, spending time with my mom, and as she was talking, we were just thinking through the realities, the reality of she might not make it. She was 59 and a half years old, and we talked about some things, and I said, Mom, what's on your heart? What's in your mind? And she said, you know, I, I always thought I would make it to 60. Her birthday is August 29th. And I kind of whispered a prayer in my heart, and I just thought, God, will you somehow, some way, will you help my mom make it to 60? And then I said, is there anything you wish you would have done? And, and she thought a little bit, and she said, you know, I, I've always wanted to go to Hawaii. By the way, in Las Vegas, we love Hawaii. We love it. And so I told my mom, I said, you know, like, let's see what God does. And I remember calling my wife that day and saying, babe, I don't know how, I don't know when, I don't know if, but I am trusting that God will give us a miracle of my mom still being with us and give us the ability to go and take her to Hawaii. We've been saving for, for a new car. I drive what I call my Dave Ramsey car. It's a 2008 Chevy Malibu that I had in college. I drive up, I pull, <laughs> this is like a couple months ago, I pulled up to a stoplight and I look over and there's Jose Rubio, one of our deacons, and his car's like, wee, 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 wee. And I'm like, hey, Jose. And he looks over at me and my car's like, woo, woo, woo. <laughs> and I'm like, Southern Hills, sporting the gospel, you know? And so we look over and so I talked to my wife and I said, hey, instead of buying a new car or, or getting a, a used car or upgrading or whatever, can we take my mom to Hawaii? And this picture was taken on August 29, 2023, the day my mom turned 60 years old in Hawaii. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, the rhythm that's carried me through this past year, more than any other rhythm, has been this rhythm of Sabbath. I have not been able to carry all the emotions that have come with this journey. But every week I've tried to find a place where I've just stopped and said, God, I can't keep carrying this. And I've just rested in him and then I've let my rest turn into delight, FaceTime my mom, spend time with her, enjoy it, practicing the rhythm of Sabbath. And what I found is it has ushered me into worship like nothing else. Two weeks ago, I sat on the back row with my mom. She was here visiting for Christmas and the worship team got up and started singing a song. And they sang these words, I'm fighting a battle, you've already won. No matter what comes my way, I will overcome. I don't know what you're doing, but I know what you've done. And I'm fighting a battle you've already won. And during the middle of the song, I'm worshiping and praising Jesus, and I look over, and my mom is singing those lyrics, I'm fighting a battle you've already won. As she fights chemo, or she fights cancer with chemo in her life. And I just started praising God. My eyes started sweating. <laughs> Tears of joy and worship and love just started flowing in and the way that we got there was through this sabbath rhythm where jesus says come unto me all you who labor and are heavy laden and i will give you rest i want the rest of jesus 
I want to enter into it, but I also want to learn the rhythm of it. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. I want to pray for you this morning. I want to ask that this wouldn't just be a, a sermon or a message, but that it would be a plan, a practical way that you can leave here and say, I want to enter into God's rest that he has for me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father.